Whoa. Boom. Welcome to Project Become, the podcast for dreamers, creators, and visionaries. And today I'm joined by a very, 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 very great friend of mine, Ali Reza Omiva. Who Ali is for me is someone who is bold, courageous, adventurous, curious, and someone who really cares about himself, about his friends, um, about the world. And I wouldn't say seeks to, but I I would say just has found himself making a profound difference in my life and other people's lives that he's been in contact with. And um, yeah, man, welcome back to Project Become. How are you doing? Thank you so much for inviting me, uh, Washington. Thank you for those words as well. Very kind. Thank you. I appreciate that. Anytime, bro. Anytime. So as you can see, we are sharing a mic because my two mic setup has um, not has not worked. <laughs> Some technical uh, issues. <laughs> yeah, minor ones. Um, but we're making it work. Um, I've had Ali on. We've had many conversations. Um, but I guess this is a different format. So if you don't mind, could you introduce yourself as um, who you are? Um, I guess your elevator pitch. Um, f- so that for the people who are new in my audience, like get to have a feel of you before we dive deep. Yeah, sure. I'm not sure if I have an elevator pitch, but so originally I'm from Iran. So I come from a city called Shiraz. It's known for like poetry, for uh, beautiful like Islamic architecture, but particularly poetry. So I grew up uh, with my mother, like uh, reciting very divine poetry, uh, namely Rumi. So that was my upbringing. And then I came to the UK I was exposed to uh, philosophy. I got really, really interested in philosophy. And that put me on a path of um, education. So I went to Oxford University to study philosophy and theology. And that allowed me to study both Western and Eastern philosophy. And I would say, actually, at university, the things I learned were mostly analytical skills, like writing essays and having clarity of speech, clarity of writing. And... It was definitely useful, but it was just a very specific skill. But in terms of gnosis, which is like true knowledge, I uh, was part-time, like next to university, doing my own kind of research and experimentation. And I think my most significant learnings have come from my own investigations into the nature of reality, into the nature of myself. And it was a really interesting journey because uh, my university degree was in conjunction with my own experimentation so they actually complemented each other Uh, my university degree allowed me to have clarity of speech and have uh, like critical thinking which is really important if you come to topics like spirituality spiritual philosophy you want somebody to be like logical to be coherent not to make logical jumps you want somebody to be a, like a logical a spiritual philosopher or a spiritual scientist. You don't want to have a, like a, you know, kind of a hippie, loose, uh, uh, like, you know, science. You want to you wanna be rigorous as much as you can, you know. So my job is not a scientist. I, I, my background is in philosophy. But I have explored science as much as I was interested and to the extent to which I was interested. So like some neuroscience. Um, but mostly my interest has been in spiritual science. Um, religion, studying religions, uh, spirituality, and vibrational sciences, which is something that I've actually got into quite recently. Um, it's been maybe 
year and a half, two years that I got into vibrational science. I'm not an expert into vibrational science, but I have a, let's say, good overview of um, the technologies available, the practices available um, that one can do to improve one's life. Uh, I'm really interested in healing because during COVID-19, during lockdown, I had very, very bad anxiety, like terrible anxiety. It was crippling. And I became obsessed with healing. What is healing? And due to my obsession, I got into Reiki. So I did a Reiki level one, which actually changed my life, <laughs> like seriously changed my life. So to this day, I practice Reiki on a day-to-day -day basis, mostly at night before I go to sleep. But also allowed me to become more sensitive to energy in a way that um, I, I can work with it, I can project it, I can... I am more in tune with my body, so a lot of times if I feel anxious, uh, I quickly know where it is, I can locate it, I can name it, okay, here's, here's the anxiety coming up. So yeah, I'm obsessed with healing, and um, I am, my background is in philosophy, I love spiritual science and vibrational science, that's, that's the quick intro to me. <laughs> Thank you so much, Roy. Thank you so much. I think, um, yeah, like, your background is so fascinating because... Um, obviously I know you a bit better it came you came through in a, from a religious perspective to then study the uh, as you said the knowledge uh, gnosis which is like the 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 we could call it the root cause of uh, where information came from and through jumping into that you um, kind of like I'd say like ran amok into the deepest of stuff which is spirituality which is the essence of um what it means to be human um and essentially exploring how it is we can become whole again mm -hmm. you know um and i guess what i would really love to jump straight into is what made you feel as if you need to be whole again um, and you just touched on like noticing, feeling anxiety. You just touched on um, um, uh, being able to identify well and heal yourself, right? So what is healing? What led you to healing itself apart from philosophy and your personal experience? Um, and um, yeah, just share with us the basic foundation of your healing. And then we hop into the sacred geometry um, a bit later on in the conversation. Sure, sure. No, he healing is actually... A conversation which is close to my heart because so when I was on my healing journey, I was doing it mostly for myself, right? It was like a selfish desire, not selfish, but like it was to fix myself in a sense, right? So my motivations were to how to have this body and this energy field in a way that works for me, right? So it wasn't supposed to be something that I'm going to talk about or uh, for everybody else. It was actually very personal. But after going through the process, I became very passionate to also help other people or to raise awareness. So again, uh, two of the, there were many things that helped me in my journey. One was a psychedelic experimentation. So uh, with things like uh, magic mushrooms and uh, other psychedelics that, let's say, as Aldous Huxley says, opened the door of perception and taught me, okay, listen, there is a spiritual dimension and you're not your physical body. There is more to you, right? So just knowing that is already liberating because you're not your physical body. You are something beyond the physical body, right? There is a multidimensionality to you. There is something more to you than that meets the eye. So that was like significant. And then learning about Reiki and practicing Reiki was hugely significant. Probably like the most significant thing I've ever done for my own healing was uh, energy work. 
um, both applying. Uh, Reiki to me is like loving attention and loving attention that is concentrated, taps into some form of universal energy. So Reiki is like unlimited, eternal, universal energy that anybody can tap, can tap into. And when you feel compassion for people, uh, Reiki gets engaged. And when you hug people with a sense of love, Reiki gets engaged. You may call it different things. So Reiki was a huge part of my life. Psychedelics was the other part. Um, Self-inquiry was, was definitely also, also very, very um, influential uh, in, in my thinking and in my development. So self-inquiry is simply the practice of asking yourself the question, who am I? Or what is aware of my experience? So you could focus your attention on a particular object like this microphone, and your focus is directed towards the microphone. Or you could relax the focus and allow, let's say, the field of consciousness, allow yourself to dissolve into the field. So rather than being focused or trying to see something or capture something, you're just being the field, the whole field of awareness. And um, techniques like become aware of awareness. Simply with that question, you can become aware of awareness and in that space, you have freedom, you have liberation. Simply with that technique, you can go to a place where you're free from suffering. Simply in, in, that, in that two sentence. Amazing. So can you like dive into what you mean by becoming aware of awareness? Because to many people listening, that sounds esoteric, right? It sounds yeah. a bit woo-woo. Uh -huh. So um, like, as you're saying, you're focusing on this microphone. I, I get what you mean, but how would you... Uh -huh. How would you describe it to someone who's yeah. never heard about being aware of awareness? Like, what, yeah. what the fuck does that mean, bro? Sure. <laughs> well, you, you, can, you can do a, a simple experimentation. So you can visualize a circle or a sphere, right? Mm. Imagine your awareness to be a point in that sphere, right? Whenever you're paying attention to something, it's like you're creating an arrow, a direction in that sphere. So from the point, mm -hmm. you're moving, you're creating an arrow. Okay, I'm looking at the ball. Okay, the arrow now. The point has now moved towards the wall. The point moved in an arrow. So it, it actually moved, right? If I'm aware of my thoughts, okay, the point moved towards my thoughts. So the uh, sphere or circle, point in the middle, and you are moving the center to different places, whether it's your thoughts, your emotions, or the physical world. Mm. Instead of focusing on anything, you relax the focus, and you just stay at the center. You're not moving. You're not actually doing anything. You're just aware of the fact of awareness. So imagine awareness to be like a field. Within the field, there are objects, like this microphone and you and me. Mm -hmm. I can be aware of the objects, mm -hmm. or I can be aware of the field. Mm -hmm. The best analogy I would say is like space, like a space of this room. So there are things in the room, and most of the times your focus is on objects within the room, yeah? So like my body or the hang drum that we played, or my watch here, these are objects. So if I tell you now, instead of focusing on an object, become aware of the space of the room, right? It's not a thinking process. You, you go there. It, it's an experiential uh, thing. So you're not supposed to think or understand it. You're supposed to actually go there. And so not, not having to think uh, or uh, necessarily understand it and the experience of it, what type of experiences um, are common to you or do you know to be common to others? Um, to give you an example, for me, when I'm aware of my awareness or I'm, I'm in that space of full awareness, I am 
just present. I feel almost a nothingness, an emptiness, a, a peacefulness, you know? Um, so um, how would you describe it or or describe some experiences you've had yourself? Yeah, so I can take you through it really easily. Um, when, right now we can go to the field of awareness. So we close, we, we close our yeah, we close our eyes. Yeah. We go to the field, um, we relax the focus. We're not really aware of our bodies or the world. We're simply aware. And gently we become aware of being aware. And I can describe that field as empty. The reason I call it empty. It's not really empty because it's like an aware emptiness. So it's empty because awareness doesn't have any objects, right? It's just an empty field. Another thing I'm observing is the field doesn't seem to have an end. It's like, a, it's like boundless. Or we could also call it infinite. Infinite is just simply the word for not having any boundary. So if I could ask you, could you experience a boundary to awareness. Go to the experience of awareness, being aware of awareness. Do you experience a boundary, like an edge, like where it ends? Uh, no, like what, what's there for me is that in that field of awareness, like you're saying, it's infinite because it's like, okay, I'm aware of the space in the room. And then um, you, you guys may not be able to hear it, but then I'm aware of the space of like what's happening outside with the cars. And to me, it's not as if I'm noticing the cars there. It's like I'm measuring distance and the distance doesn't, the distance can keep on expanding. Because for me, um, I can say I know how large the world is. And I guess for me, I can also put myself into um, like what you're saying about the uh, being when you said space, I instantly thought out, outer space, right? The universe. And so for me, it's like the universe is boundless. So for me, it's like, okay, my awareness started off in this room, then it expanded out into the road and then it expanded. Um, well, to be fair, it, it just, it just kept on going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. J just to, um, just to try, try to get you to see. Um, so something you said, you said my awareness expanded in the room. Actually, the room that we're staying in right now is an awareness, not awareness in the room. So, so awareness is not an object within the room. The whole space of the room is within awareness. You can check this in your, in your own experience. Okay, right now, I am aware of the, of the space. So my awareness precedes the space. So uh, space is within awareness, is appearing within awareness. As such, um, your awareness is not in the room, the room is in your awareness. <laughs> yeah. and, and ultimately, when you ask the ultimate question, you say my awareness is still uh, making a mistake because to say my awareness is implying that this body has awareness, right? Mm. But again, if I inquire into myself, my body is not aware, I am aware of my body. So the body is inside awareness, the, the body itself is not aware. So I, as a oneness, am aware of the body. Yes. The body is just within, within me. But me, I am a oneness. But where, if, if I, a oneness, I'm not the body. Where is the I? Wh wh where is the oneness? And, and it's not located. If you try to find a oneness, okay, where is a oneness? You cannot locate a oneness. Mm. The only thing you can know about it is that it's present mm. and it's aware. Mm. And it's everywhere. As such, you're actually not, like, so you as awareness are not sitting down in this chair. 
you're beyond space and time. Right now, with this simple practice and this simple inquiry, we have transcended space and time. And real, we realize our essential self is not within space and time. It's beyond space and time. So we are the infinite awareness that's right now having a limited perspective. So imagine the analogy of localization. So the system is becoming localized. The awareness as a system is localizing and seeing the world as a perspective. In the same way that in a dream, your mind localizes in order to dream a limited perspective. So this world, what we experience is the infinite awareness experiencing limitation. Right? Why do? You, why does infinite one experience limitation? Well, it's kind of how things are. You know, it's kind of how things are. It's like how the universe is, and it's a way for um, for infinite oneness to experience limitation, because it's kind of boring if you're just in the void, floating, and you're like everything. You wanna you wanna experience like a personality, like character, a limitation. All of that is important, as much as the knowledge. Uh, the knowledge part is important. The part that's the most significant is to feel oneself as that, mm. you know? When you feel yourself as that, you have transcended beyond the suffering of the body and the mind. Mm. And in that place, there's freedom, right? Because mm. you can always go to that place. Why? Because you are it. Yeah. So it's always there. It's not like coming and going and sometimes up, sometimes down, like the English weather, like rainy and Sunday sunny. No, yeah. it's always present and always aware. Even in the midst of sadness, you could ask your question. You can ask yourself the question, what is aware of my sadness? Mm. Okay, now you focus on the sadness. It's interesting. Mm. Now, what is aware of that sadness? The I am, the awareness. So within the sim simple moving of your energy from being focused on objects to being an awareness, you have a liberation. And that experience is called enlightenment. But uh, I want to just give a caution here that enlightenment is not an extraordinary experience. It's very ordinary experience. It's just uh, the shining or the uh, illumination of, of our true nature, which is illuminating all the time, like the sun. Mm -hmm. The sun cannot not be illuminated. The sun, by nature, is illuminating all the time. Mm -hmm. So one thing to understand by healing is that actually it, it should be effortless, at least with this technique. You're not working hard to be free. You just... First, understanding what, who you are. Mm. You're not the body, you're not the mind, you're not your thoughts because the awareness precedes, precedes them. Mm. Once you understand that, then healing, one, one way to healing is just simply not to be attached to your thoughts, to your emotions and to your physical body. Mm. And through a process of non-attachment, you uh, can live in awareness mm. as awareness. Mm. So you're not looking at the world you're looking from it, mm. from that awareness, you're looking out. Now that you have understood who you are, mm. now everything you do, when you do them, you are living from that place. So you're living from awareness. Mm. Before, you used to live from your body or from your mind, now you're living from a new place. Mm. And it's not really new, but... It's a new experience. It's a, it's a new way of experiencing the world because the, world, the way that you're experiencing the world is so clean. Um, part of what I was receiving from your, your communication and from my own experience is that um, a layer of um, judgment, a layer of, um, yeah, a layer of judgment like sheds off you. 
and you start seeing the world in a in its purest sense, not as in necessarily good, bad, right, wrong, but you start seeing everything as it is, you know? Um, and it, that's truly liberating because you you see, well, for me, I'll speak of my experiences that I realize that, oh, I'm, I'm fucked, bro. And so <laughs> is everyone else, you, you know? And I was like, oh, we're all just like dancing around this experience yeah. in this manner. Um, yet what I found very confusing about that liberation, about that being present to my awareness of my thoughts, my feelings, uh, my judgments, is that um, they felt, it made me feel as if to be able to maintain this uh, peacefulness, to be able to maintain this state of being, that I would have to almost give up my personal truths and how it is that I operated in the world. Um, to be more clear about that is more about like my morals and my values and things like that. And I think that may be the next hurdle after shedding all of that, because after shed all, after you do shed all of that, you become free, you become open, you become, um, I, I describe it as a newborn baby again, because it's like you're seeing the world differently. It's like, oh wow, not everyone is, isn't bad, or um, the people that do do bad things, they just, um, from that saying, hurt people, hurt people, right? So it's like, how do you then navigate through the world? What principles, what, or, or how did you navigate that newfound enlightenment, that newfound way of experiencing the world? Well, first, I have to say it's very difficult because um, the matrix or the world is kind of like a collective consciousness thing. So if everybody around you is having negative thoughts or attached to their body, it creates a field around you, you know. So one must be really aware that it's not so easy. Uh, I mean, for some people, it could be easy. But for most, it's not just too easy. Uh, it's not easy to just go into awareness and uh, and think everything's going to be OK. You know, it, it's in reality, is a lot more challenging than that. And that's where Tantra comes in. So the first is self-inquiry. When we inquire into the nature of ourselves, realize who we are, and then feel ourselves as that, have a new identity now as this awareness. And then next is to try to approach our emotions, our actions, and our relationships with that understanding. And that's where the actual work comes in, you know? <laughs> so now you understand, now you feel yourself as awareness, but can you actually bring that reality to your actions, emotions, and your thoughts? Can you do that? And that's, that's what the tantric approach is. The tantric approach is going towards the feeling. So in the previous approach, you're going, you're stepping out of your emotion. You're seeing yourself as awareness outside of emotion, non-attachment. Tantric approach, the exact opposite. You go towards your emotion. So if you feel sad, feel sad. <laughs> Don't resist it. You know, the, the feeling is not bad. Like we attach value judgment to, to feelings. We say this is bad. This is not good. I shouldn't feel this. But actually, when you feel sad, it, to, this, to its fullest extent, sadness will dissolve into its true nature, which is peace. So sadness is actually peace dancing as sadness. But when you feel sad completely and it's like processed through the heart, then then the peace that was the nature of sadness is revealed, you know? It's Can like you dive into that a bit deeper yeah. because yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, whoa, like peace is sadness dancing? <laughs> like what's going on there? Yeah, sadness, Sa is peace, sadness is peace dancing? Like yeah. 
is it how's it dancing i guess is the yeah. question to ask <laughs> well simply if you do this simple practice with me uh, right now uh, imagine being sad right okay and imagine me asking you the question when you're sad become aware of the sadness right there is you awareness being aware of the sadness so the sadness is appearing within awareness isn't it yeah it's like the sadness is there my awareness is there looking down into it exactly so when you when you understand that sadness is an appearance in awareness and when you reduce everything to its final substance final thing Mm. that is actually exists is awareness nothing actually exists in the world other than awareness is existence itself everything else is just an appearance in awareness do 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 you follow me so um yeah if, uh, j- just to see if i'm i, I am following oh, one quick analogy so imagine the analogy of the screen and the movie yeah. imagine the, the the sadness to be a pixel within a movie yeah the nature of the pixel the movie you're watching is the screen because it's appearing within the screen. The screen is the real reality of the movie. So just in the same way, the existence of sadness, the reality of sadness is peace. And peace, by peace I'm referring to the nature of awareness. So this emptiness that we experience, this infinite emptiness. The reason we call it peace is that it's empty and it lacks agitation. It is constant. It doesn't change. It doesn't go up and down. That's what we call a peace. So now you're going back to the analogy of being aware of your sadness. So if you feel your sadness, sadness is not laying in your unconscious mind, like hidden, controlling you. You now bring in the sadness up to the surface of awareness. It's like bringing the light of the sun to the dark room, right? Now you feel sad. You really feel sad. Maybe you cry, right? But once you cry and you're sad, that emotion gets dissolved, right? You feel the emotion. The emotion opens up. Mm. When, when it dissolves, then the reality of peace that precedes the sadness is revealed. So then after this practice of feeling your sadness and, dis- and, and your sadness dissolving, you realize that sadness is, was peace dancing, you know, uh, but you don't know it until you, until you actually do it. Until you complete the process. Until yeah. you complete the process. Exactly. In the same way that you realize the reality of the movie was the screen. Right? But we are watching the movie. We're not resisting the movie. We are like giving it our energy, our attention. If it's uncomfortable, we make it comfortable. And the tantric approach is, okay, we feel our emotions. We go towards our emotions. Mm. And we feel them. And healing comes as a result of completely sorry completing the feeling that was incompleted for some reason Mm. maybe it's childhood trauma or some other reason so we just feel to its fullest extent Mm. and when we do that we realize that sadness wasn't bad sadness was just an experience and it happened within awareness it was just the peaceful awareness that always is appearing as this form as this reality Mm. another analogy to concretize this in your mind is imagine when you're dreaming at night your mind that is peaceful is dreaming. You have a nightmare. Yes? Yeah. And you're really scared in the dream. And then I tell you, listen, the reality of your nightmare is peace. And you're like, whoa, I don't understand. What's going on? Like, 
how can the reality of nightmare be peace? I'm really scared. I'm, I'm having a nightmare. But when you wake up, you realize that the reality of your nightmare was the peaceful mind that you went to sleep with. Dancing. Dancing, exactly. <laughs> so that's why uh, sadness is peace dancing. So that's one way to approach healing is the going towards the, the feeling and then the, the peace is revealed. The other is the introspection, uh, self-inquiry, which we said. Mm-hmm. So the, I would say the most foundational thing for, let's say, uh, spiritual science and spiritual healing is this practice. This is the foundation. This is, this is the most important thing you can learn in life. Um, after that, other things um, are interesting, like energy practices, how to deal with, with your energy, how to eat, to, deal, um, to have a physical body, mm-hmm. exercise, breath work, and, there's a lot there, but I want to pass the mic, pass the mic back to you to, uh, to ask for your thoughts and what's been said. Amazing. Um, I think what's been said is beautiful. Uh, I think the way you encapsulized um, sadness dancing as peace um, in the nightmare analogy is definitely, as you said, something that will stick in my brain for a very long time. Um, I think what you touched on is extremely important because... It's learning to deal with um, that your analogy, the nightmare analogy is actually also about learning to deal with the chaos that your life you will experience when you go through such a transformation. You know, like what you've just said, that work is the hard work. That is the hard part. First, being able to sit still and observe um, whatever state your life is in, whether it is relatively peaceful already or whether it is chaotic with having so many um, impacts such as trauma and things like that having already happened to you and you sitting and observing and becoming aware of all the experiences that you had experienced, you know? Um, And then coming to part one of completion of that, oh, wow, all those things occurred, yet they are not me. All those things occurred, yet the person... You will always be the same person that was there experiencing those things, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, I'm just thinking of so many analogies in my head that are popping up and also other ways people can actually access that level of awareness as well. Um, I, I say to people, go back into your past um, last summer. You know, the person witnessing last summer is your awareness, right? Um, Go back to a time when you were a teenager and think of a memory, I don't know, uh, a happy, another happy memory. Again, the person that's now witnessing that memory back then is your awareness. And your awareness has always been the you that you're, it's always been the you. It's not necessarily the person living that moment but it's the person being aware of what's going on and then following that it's the um unraveling of the um roles situations and uh personalities that we then take on due to those previous experiences because we weren't aware of them because we were not being um wholly present but reacting to what we had the in uh intellect the information to react to and respond to at that time, mm-hmm. um, which is, yeah, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, and I, I like how um, sadness dancing as peace is always, will always be relevant, whether that's anger dancing as peace. Exactly. Because it means that through just those words, my bro, it's like everyone will have an access to see that 
continuously for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, y'all mad. <laughs> yeah, y'all mad. 